It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I'm joined by the Times Online's own Ben Smith from the Midlands, Mr. Peter Lansley, and of course, Patty Barkley. Today we'll be discussing Chelsea's narrow defeat in the Midlands, as well as the North London Derby. Plus, in our debate, we'll be asking our panel why the same 20 Premier League managers who started the season are all still there. So please join us for the next 35 minutes or so. All right, we're going to start up uh, in North London at Ashburton Grove, Arsenal and Tottenham. For those who who missed the the game, I I thought it was a rather exciting Arsenal going 2-0 up and then uh, Tottenham storming back. Now, I'm going to throw something out there uh, and start with you, Patty. Mm. Um, While it's great and uh, people talk about Harry's uh, halftime team talk and the hex is over and all this stuff, I mean, I thought Arsenal could and should have won that game and still had the chances even in the second half to win that game. Yeah. Am I off base here? No, absolutely not. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Istanbul, the classic in Istanbul. I mean, by far the more gifted team uh, lost uh, and and Arsenal played well enough to have won two matches in the first half alone. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is <laughs> why the game's so great. I mean, uh, Tottenham in the end deserved it as well. I mean, it was it was one of those games that you look at in a, in a million ways, um, and at, you know at the end of it, all you can say is, "I'm, I'm glad I, I was there to see it." I, I do feel that Arsenal uh, should be running away with this title race, and I feel that with the addition of two players in the summer, uh, and, and assuming that they had stayed fit, then that they would be. Um, but what the hell? Let's let's celebrate the entertainment. Peter, are you on board with that reading? Was 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 Arsenal unlucky, or was this kind of match that maybe both game, both teams deserve to win? The the latter, yeah. I mean, I, I was only sort of seeing highlights or or looking in from Birmingham City's press room, but um, it looked just a fantastic game. I saw the second half, and Tottenham. When when Tottenham get going, they are irresistible. I think they're the best team to watch in the Premiership and that's even allowing for when Arsenal on song when, when they 
when they really get it together. I mean, those Inter Milan games have given them such a momentum, such a, a self-belief, haven't they? Mm. And they and they hit their best when they go behind. You know, how many times a season have they been trailing two and three nil and a, come good? It's a useful trait, isn't it? That's what champions do. I, I'm going to be a bit contrarian here, Ben, because I personally I can think of more than one Premier League team I, who I'd rather watch than, than Spurs, who admittedly do play good football. But you mean I, Arsenal? What? Yeah, not just Arsenal, but I mean, I, yeah. personally, I'd, I'd rather watch Chelsea. I'd sometimes watch Villa when uh, on a good day, uh, <laughs> not this weekend. But um, it seemed to me that the, 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 the way Spurs got back into the game, I mean, you're talking about... Um, I didn't see too many other chances. I mean, you're, you're talking about, um, you know, the ball over the top, which Bale wonderfully con- controlled into his stride. And while it wasn't a textbook finish because he should have side-footed it with his right, you're not going to complain if you've got a left foot that's so good and you can hit it with the outside of your left foot like that. Then you had the the, 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 the stupid penalty, which says Fabregas gave away. And mm-hmm. and then you had another stupid free kick leading to the um, leading to Eunice Kabul's late goal. In between, you had Walcott and Koscielny fluffing chances. I mean... Did, did Spurs just dominate the second half the, or, or, or was it just Arsenal kind of chucking it away here I think if Spurs really looked at it and were honest with themselves Arsenal let them back into the game I think mm. Arsenal must have known that Tottenham were going to come at them straight away after half time and they conceded so early then they were always going to make things difficult for themselves I think if if Arsenal had that hard nosed um, championship winning steal about them they would have put the game beyond Spurs I don't think it would have been a matter of whether Spurs could get back into it I think Arsenal probably should have put it away and as you say even when at 2-2 when Spurs had got back into the game Kachelny had a header he should have, he should have scored for that but I, I don't think the steal I, I accept that Ben about Arsenal but I don't think the steal I think we've got to be careful I don't think the steal here is a question of lack of mental determination or anything like that there's no more determined manager in the country than than uh, Wenger uh, and no more professional group of players but uh if you haven't got good enough players to resist, and I think that basically um, the, my, my scapegoat for Saturday would certainly be Laurent Koscielny, who does not look ready for this league. Um, maybe he will be in the fullness of time. I think Squilacci, who's a, a moderately good centre-half, could get by with a good one alongside him. A uh, player like Hangeland or, or Hughes from Fulham, you know, to, to pluck names out of the air. So... Uh, I think that I think that 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 maybe Wenger, if they, if Arsenal don't win the league, people might say, well, why didn't Wenger just spend a little money? I agree. I think that there's that figure in the centre in the heart of the defence, that John Terry, mm. even Tony yeah. Adams figure that yes. they haven't had for a while there, yes. and, and they look certainly lacking in that on Saturday. Well, You've also got to add with Arsenal. I take that point about the centre halves, but it's in the very nature, it's in their their very DNA of what makes them so good is that they will keep attacking, they will keep trying things. You look at the full-backs, it wouldn't be in their nature to tuck in, help the centre-halves out. They've got to keep playing, it's, it's the way that Arsenal do it. And if that means they're going to be forever fallible, then at least it'll be beautiful to watch. Quite right. 
I I I don't know. I, I kind of actually think Arsenal are a lot more <laughs> solid this year, and uh, and and it's not you know Wenger's fault the the Walcott and Cassiano no. couldn't put those no, chances I away. Mean, and worryingly, the chance Cassiano put away, I don't know if you guys can can picture it. Um, there were basically three Arsenal players on the far post. Any one of those three guys could have could have headed. I mean, it was a complete defensive breakdown. Yes. Um, from Spurs on that play, but I mean, Spurs and defending. I just want to have a word on on, on William Gallus, um, because obviously it was his first time back um, at the. Emirates and people seem to love to boo this guy yeah. wherever he goes and I was looking before the game about you know the handshakes reactions from teammates and so on I kind of throw this out as a general question do we like to see this do we like to see players who don't laugh uh, who don't like each other and and sort of turn into a bit of a public spectacle or do we think that that there's no place for that on the pitch. Well, if they genuinely don't like each other, um, you know, what, what's the problem with that? There's, no, there's nothing wrong with not shaking hands. I don't think that's childish. Um, I really do. Uh, I think that, you know, you then ask the question, what about the case of, of Bridge and Terry? And you say, well, maybe in that case it was justified. Um, but by and large, it's, it's fairly childish. Um, I think that... I mean, I think the shaking hands before a match is actually a good tradition. A lot of people say it's it's unrealistic and unfootball. I don't agree. I think lots of unfootball things need to be done to make the game better. Um, but uh, I, I do think that I, I, I must confess to being utterly bewildered as to why William Gallas, who gave Arsenal perfectly good service before doing only what Sol Campbell had done, the other way around a few years earlier in terms of leaving the club um, I think it was utterly hypocritical to boo him and, and, and why do they waste energy I wish Arsenal fans would use whatever decibels they can summon to encourage their team well, and I, I'd add to that too. Uh, uh, Sol Campbell, he was offered a contract by Spurs, yes. and, uh, uh, and and that's why he gets the yes. Judas treatment. Yes. Uh, William Gallus was not offered uh, a new deal yes, by it's... by Arsenal, so they kind of showed him to the curb, Absolutely. and he signed for Spurs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they weren't unhappy to see the back of him at the time. I seem to remember he was accused of being slightly mentally weak at stages and, and you know all credit but, to but his commitment back. his commitment to Arsenal <laughs> having left uh, Chelsea for them could not have been questioned Absolutely. in any way Absolutely. shape or form even though the way in which he expressed it in the match at Birmingham and so on you you might nitpick uh, on detail but the fact that he gave the club good service and good value for money um, couldn't be it couldn't be argued no I totally it? agree and I think he deserved a lot of credit for the way he came through it on, on Saturday he was given the armband you know he might polarise opinion you might love mm. him or you hate him but you can't question his will to win and I, and I think we really saw that on Saturday Peter um, hey, Harry Redknapp um, I don't know if you caught this but you know after the game he was asked about his halftime team talk and his halftime substitutions which you know, I didn't think we're exactly rocket science. Uh, you know, sending on Defoe for for, for Lennon. He he said he actually refused the, the 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 credit. He basically said, "Well, if I was so clever, I would have done that from the start of the game." Um, I actually think he's kind of right. I mean, do we attach too much importance on this whole sort of halftime team talk? You know, crap. When in fact you're two 0 down away from home, of course you're going to put on your your star striker, who's even if he's returning from from injury. No, I don't think you do um, put too much onus on it. I think um, Harry, Rednott, Harry Redknapp will have played a major part in that turnaround. And as for, you know, obvious substitutions or whatever, there's different phases of a game, aren't there, where um, as a game um, thins out, as people tire more, or, or as 
um, uh, opponents who are leading um, as they get a bit of complacency or whatever, you put on players at different stages of, of the game. So Defoe in the second half coming back from injury might be more explosive than putting him on from the start. I think Redknapp will have played a major part in that turnaround. Now, um, one, f- uh, one other point I want to make about Spurs, and the noise you hear is going to be the noise of me turning the pages in my issue of today's game, so don't freak out. That means you, Chris, the producer. Um, but uh, I thought Harry did something which is quite kind of interesting. Effectively, he played Modric alongside Genus in, in what was you know, sort of a 4-2-3-1 from the start. Yes. That is so not... Luka Modric's position, um, you know, playing deep in front of the back four, not just about the, t- the tackling, the physical mm-hmm. side, but just the movement and the reading. I thought he was all over the place. Um, uh, Alison Rudd, who did the game uh, for us, and I presume the ratings as well, um, gave him gave him a five on the day. Yes. Um, which I think about sums it up. Don't think it's entirely his fault, but it's just not his position. Going forward, what does Harry do now at this stage? Because unless you go to play four four two, you you can't play Modric yes. alongside the whole. It's arguable him. that Palacios for Modric, uh, if he was going to play that formation, he he, he should have played Palacios, but uh, then drop Modric. And, and yes, well, I mean, you you can't. I don't think. I, I don't. I mean, Modric can play in front of the. He did played for Croatia in the European Championship of two thousand and eight. But he had in a that position. He had Kovac but com- alongside exactly, him, and exactly. he had Serna It's completely it's you, very yeah, different. Ex- exactly. It's, it's a different form of football from the. English Premier League, and I, and I completely agree with you that he's not—he he can't do that role in the English Premier League. Spurs' chances of winning the title, or indeed finishing in the top four. What I'd like to do is uh, quickly go around the room, and in ten seconds, tell me you, y'all can tell me where Spurs, where you think Spurs will finish, and why. In ten seconds, of course. So let's start with Ben, who's had the most time to prepare. Uh, lack of consistency. Uh, they can't win the championship this year. Um, outside chance of the top four. So I'll stick with last week's prediction of fourth. Lansley. I'm afraid I'm going to go, yeah, top four, but not to win the title. After Inter Milan, they go and lose to, you know, uh, a lower half team. So not this year. Yeah, I would say uh, fourth or fifth. Do I? Do you want me to choose? Because obviously that's a fairly big. Kind of makes a difference, also to uh, <laughs> Mr. Mancini's future job prospects as well. Yeah, fifth, fifth, and uh, I don't think they'll win the title. Uh, I can I can dig that. I think they might just finish uh, a smidge lower because just just out of by virtue of of the injuries that they, that they continue to have. But let's move on, and uh, um, we're fortunate because we've got Peter Lansley with us, who was at uh, at St. Andrews for the Blues v. Blues clash yesterday. Uh, now, Peter, Birmingham started the season pretty badly, actually, and he can't even complain about injuries because uh, I think uh, McLeish had the second most settled lineup um, in the league. But then good result against Manchester City, and now this win against, uh, against Chelsea. Um, deserve three points? Well, I, I, I don't know whether it's deserved because Chelsea had a, a greater dominance of a Premier League game than anything for four years, I think Bill Edgar was writing this morning. Um, but Ben Foster was brilliant. 
and uh, Birmingham's back four is so steady and so so resilient um, and Chelsea did lack the X factor I know they had 25 goal attempts or whatever but they didn't have what Lampard or someone brings to them with that extra incisiveness that takes a game and says look their goalkeeper's having an absolute worlder I need to go and try something different Chelsea lacked that Birmingham were fortunate on Saturday but they are turning the corner they, they played Villa the other week and they were the better team great result at Man City and McLeish knows how to grind it and he's, he is doing it again uh, ben, you were you, you were nodding along. Was it? Uh, it was just a case of Foster's brilliance and he was tr- he was finish? he was fantastic. But I think Chelsea are missing those players who have dug them out of trouble in the past. I think Frank Lampard, Michael Essien, these kind of players who get up there and nick a goal for you when you need it. Mm-hmm. They've been missing those players at key moments over the last few weeks, and I think that's probably where the difference. Yeah, is. But how does that work though? Because they still played well, they still created a million chances of ball. And okay, so you didn't have Lampard and Essien, but you know you still had Drogba and Anelka and those rubbish players like that shooting on goals. Sure, I think I think it's all part of a jigsaw though, isn't it? I mean, 25 shots, you would think you'd come away with at least one goal. Ben Foster was excellent, but there is certainly something missing from Chelsea at the moment. I think there is there are problems off the field, we know about that. But you can't take away just how much these injuries have, have we'll, caused them. We'll problems. get to those off the field uh, issues in a minute, though. Uh, uh, Paddy, though, I, Ancelotti mm-hmm. came out and made the point that, look, you know, we we played badly mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in, against, in our defeat against Sunderland. We yeah. were terrible. But today we played really well, and I didn't have a problem with our performance. Uh, no, are fine. you on board with that? Yes, I am. I think uh, as you know, if your goalkeeper and your two centre backs play outstandingly well, as Alex McLeish would know this from, because the, the goalkeeper and the two centre backs were the foundation of the great Aberdeen team under Ferguson for which McLeish played. If and he had the good fortune of playing alongside three, Willie Miller, of yeah, course. Exactly, uh, with Jim Layton behind. And they... they uh, um, Willie Miller. Eh? <laughs> Did you know that when Willie Miller does a press up, it's actually he's actually pressing down the world. Yeah, the the <laughs> they they used to say of Willie Miller that he played as if Aberdeen didn't have a goalkeeper, <laughs> which I thought was a great turn of phrase. You're going to see the Willie Miller Appreciation Podcast. Yeah, uh, no, Willie Miller was a great player. I mean, I, were, you, were you being kind of sarcastic there or something? But Willie Miller? Yeah, that was a real 70s and 80s tash he had, though. Wasn't oh, it? Yeah, yeah, I knew yeah. it. I knew it. Leave it to the guy <laughs> from the Midlands to go and mock the man's mustache (laughs) no you have to appreciate it I'm making a little detour I have a lot of friends from Aberdeen and I grew up with the idea that um, Willie Miller was the greatest centre half that British football has ever produced I don't think that's the most ludicrous idea I've ever had well and also what what about this idea that if that had been, and you've heard this before. If that had been uh, uh, McLeish in there, for for that gentleman, Alan Hansen, yeah. then Scotland would have won the World Cup. Uh, yep. You know Shingeli, all the time. You're on board with that, yes, right? Yes, I, I absolutely. Hansen cost Scotland the World I, Cup without any question. I, every time I read, a mix-up then occurred between <laughs> Hansen and and Willie Miller. I think that has got to be libelous <laughs> against Willie Miller. What was Hansen trying to do? When somebody the size of Hansen runs into you as you're trying to kick the ball perfectly legitimately, under no challenge, by the way, from an opponent, uh, you're entitled to say something uh, equally unbroadcastable. Do, do, do you think Hansen was perhaps a communist agent and he's kept it hidden from us all these years and was I, trying to do it for... I would say the fact that that Hansen got only 18 caps for Scotland was not exactly one of the greatest injustices in the history of football. Right. Enough Alan Hansen and Willie Miller, but, you know, I need to have my annual ode to Willie Miller. Um, 
going back to going back to this, Ben, you, you touched upon it. Issues off the pitch. Reports that Ancelotti not quite happy with with some of the things that that, that that have happened of late. Ray Wilkins' departure and the way it was all blamed on him when, in fact, he had nothing to do with it. Um, some questions about Michael Eminalo, promoted to the assistant manager's position, and of course Ancelotti's got you know year and a half left on his contract. Um, what do you know? What does Matt Hughes know? I think there's no doubt that Ancelotti's unhappy. He's unhappy with the way he's been made to look over the past week. Um, he's unhappy with. The way the way Chelsea have dealt with the Wilkins situation, I think it's clumsy. And um, Emanalo has been brought in without any consultation um, on Ancelotti's part. So he's there with a man who he doesn't know, and he he doesn't. Well, trust surely him. he must know him. He's met the club for sure. But he's he his opposition. I don't count, think he, you scout. can say he trusts him. though, does he? Yeah. He doesn't know. He doesn't know him to trust him. He, he, you couldn't say he's a right-hand man. He, yes, it's, it's traditional for assistants, the, the appointment of assistants, to be made in consultation absolutely. with the manager. What an insane absolutely. idea! <laughs> I think what's happened is that the Wilkins is definitely a factor, but I, I think the injuries and the run of results they've had have all caused this become a crisis in the media's eyes. But I, I think there's a meeting today between Ancelotti and members of the board. He will also talk to Richard Bevan at the LMA and discuss his options but the general feeling is that he is unlikely to walk mm. away I, I mean it's also unlikely that the Latin equivalent of if it ain't broke don't fix it is ever going to be Chelsea's motto under Roman Abramovich it seems that as soon as it's as things are going well uh, the owner sends down a diktat that uh, that he, sort of if you like he acts Alan Hansen to Carlo Ancelotti's <laughs> Willie Miller <laughs> that's wonderful another Willie Miller reference um, <laughs> Peter I, I, want, I want to throw this, this out there. Did you think maybe because Ancelotti arrived as a reputation? You know, you, you you have some managers who are divas, who are control freaks, who want to control every aspect of the club. He arrived, you know, with a reputation as a guy who was very successful at AC Milan in an environment where there were other people making all sorts of decisions, and he just got on with it on the training pitch, um, you know, with the first team squad and made a difference. And do you think he's maybe paid the price a little bit for, for being seen as as Mister? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Nice guy. Um, Mr. Pushover, and can you answer the question without referencing Willie Miller? <laughs> yep, I definitely can do the last point. Um, Mr. Nice Guy, I don't know. It's certainly what he worked with AC Milan, isn't it? So that's where he's come from. Perhaps that's part of what Abramovich appealed to Abramovich about him. But it was very pointed when we were speaking to him in the tunnel at St. Andrews. He brought up that point when we were saying to him, hang on, surely you've got to have some say in who your number two is. Fergie wouldn't let this go on. Mourinho wouldn't let this go on. He was the one who pointed this up. 
and said, look, you can't compare me with Ferguson. Mm. He has, he's in control of his club. Yeah. I'm just giving technical direction. As he walked away at that, we were absolutely, there's a man who is not happy with this situation. Mm. And how can you, if a manager is there, okay, you give technical direction. But part of technical direction is how you liaise with your dressing room, isn't it? Therefore, you have a man who the players are comfortable with. You have someone who can, you know, go and play good cop if you've just given them a, the mother of all rollickings. So once you start undermining that hierarchy, you've got problems. And I know okay, Chelsea had 25 chances, they're missing players, but this is integral to their problems at the moment. I, I, I mean, I, well, regular listeners will know that I don't like the all-powerful manager um, model. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, may work for Ferguson, but he's a bit of a he's a bit of a one-off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Ferguson, who once managed Willie Miller, by the way, of course, and was so successful in Aberdeen, and I have to stop. Um, but that said, I, 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 my reading of this is a little bit like at AC Milan, um, Ancelotti accepted you know, for lack of a better word, the interference and they named his, you know, they, they named the assistants to his staff and a lot of them were his former teammates and so on. Yes. But he came on as a manager in a club where there was a long-standing culture of success. The people doing the interfering, people like Galliani and Braida, mm-hmm. had been there. They'd won the European e- Cups. Even Berlusconi knows even, his football. They, they, they created the blueprint. I don't know that when he looks around the club, especially now, he, you know, even now with, with Kenyon gone and whatever... You know, he's got Ron Gourlay, who's a, who's a commercial guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Tenenbaum, not doesn't much of a one, football background. One end of a football from the I mean, uh, Abramovich, who's, uh, you know, an Arivist. Well, I, I kind of feel that apart from, from Frank Arneson, with whom he might not always see eye to yeah. eye with, but with, who has a lot of respect football-wise and who's got yeah. a serious pedigree, yes. I don't necessarily know that, you know, he's that willing to take direction from above. You know, you need to work with this guy, you need to work with that guy. I want to just uh, take advantage of having Peter here to, to talk a little bit about um, Birmingham as well. Um, and what's different this year to last year? Now, I, mm. when I look at this, uh, I mean, obviously, Chucho's gone. Um, I kind of see a team that, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, part of Birmingham's problem for me this year is that there's a bit of a, they still defend very well and, 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 and they're very organized, but. It's not a team that's necessarily built to counterattack because there's not a lot of um, flat-out speed mm-hmm. in, in in the lineup, and you know maybe down to when you know when I, when I look at his um, his wide fares, you know Larson's basically a recycled holding midfielder, you know Faze uh, a, 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 a runner. You don't perhaps have the the creativity that that, that maybe you had last year. Maybe that's why he brought in Hleb, but yeah. he hasn't really produced yet. That's right. Bosajur hasn't settled. Is is that pretty much the, the the problem? I think I think the idea was how do you how do you upgrade on getting your best finish in 51 years when Birmingham finished ninth? Then immediately, even Birmingham fans are going, mm. okay, well we want at least the same again, and maybe throw in a cup <laughs> or something or a cup final, which obviously is. A bit harsh, but so he tried to upgrade. The resources were there reasonably, you know, bringing Hleb on, on, how do you say his name, Kleb, on um, big wages, spent six million on Zigic and on Foster. So you're trying to upgrade what you've already got. 
but then at the same time you've got to integrate these guys into a dressing room Birmingham was a very sort of um, British based dressing room and then they're going to be on big money so you've got that Ziggich hasn't for me really settled yet Kreb definitely hasn't yet and yet you want these guys to be you know getting into the team getting field time getting a feel of things so the creativity point they would hope in that someone of Kreb's um, quality would bring that he's not fully match fit he's not on the same wavelength another big miss for Birmingham is James McFadden yeah. who he's not exactly a fan's favourite yet even if he is Alex McLeish's but he did bring that, that little, the little X factor for Birmingham, but he could still fit into this sort of, you know, British work hard system. Um, so I think that's the difficulty with integrating these new players while still reproducing all that solidity. Moving on, uh, our, our debate this week is, um, is about managers. And I have some interesting stats here from, uh, um, from Chris, the producer. Um, Okay, last year, actually, we're in the same situation as last year in the sense that no manager had been sacked by, uh, by this stage last year, although uh, Paul Hart was sacked uh, uh, this time last season from his job at, at uh, Portsmouth. And if you look at you know, the years before that, uh, by this stage in 2009, there had been four um, managerial changings, uh, changes, uh, Kerbisi at West Ham, Keegan at United, at Newcastle United, of course, uh, Juan de Ramos at Spurs, and of course, <laughs> Harry at, uh, um, at Pompey. And um, the year before that, even more so, Jose Mourinho leaving Chelsea, uh, Sammy Lee, God, remember that Sammy Lee's time in charge of Bolton, um, uh, leaving Bolton, of course, Martin Yol leaving Spurs, Chris Hutchings leaving Wigan, and of course, Steve Bruce leaving, leaving Birmingham City and right around this time also Billy Davis uh, leaving Derby County so a lot more ma- uh, managerial changes a couple years ago um, now obviously we had Martin O'Neill leaving Villa just before the season started um, is there a, is this any kind of a, of a trend we're seeing these last two years clubs perhaps uh, a, a little less uh, trigger happy or is this just a statistical quirk Paddy uh, I think it's partly statistical quirk. I think it's partly that uh, I have a sense that clubs are less frightened of relegation than they were 10 years ago, um, that the parachute payment is working, um, and that the notion of going down, coming back, going down, coming back is, is no longer something that appears a bad uh, model. Um uh, because so many clubs have done it successfully, Leicester City, West Bromwich, Albion, and so on. Um, but, I mean, really, this is all straining for effect. The main reason is uh, is that the uh, that there's been too much scrutiny. Um, the the uh, Partly through the activities of bookmakers, the press have become much more obsessed with uh, sacking. I mean, the, the Hodgson situation is particularly ludicrous. He's only just started the job. Um, a few years ago, Bobby Robson was sacked um, five games into a season, and everybody said um, how... Uh, how silly it was that Newcastle well, had done, the year before, done such a, a, a silly thing. Uh, yes, but uh, you know that's an argument for sacking the chap at the end of the season, not for right. waiting to the new season well, begins and the transfer window is closed. Just because you mentioned uh, uh, Newcastle there, hmm. uh, Willie Miller once. No, just kidding. Um, Newcastle sort of. I think they did like three managers in a row. They sacked somebody in uh, in September, if I'm not mistaken. I think Hullet also left in, yeah, uh, yes. in, in September, yes, and possibly Doug Leash as well. Yeah. The the Hodgson thing. He was he was under pressure. 
after preseason friendlies, but people were saying he'd lost the plot or whatever the cliche they use. Um, so, I, I mean, fortunately, the board's not so stupid as to um, as to think that way. Even even though it's a new board for, uh, from the one that uh, that appointed Hodgson, Mancini similarly is there because. Uh, the ownership judge he's the right person to be they're in the top four so why should he be under pressure Grant is a different case um, I'm, uh, and personally I'm a little bit surprised that West Ham uh, uh, have, have, have persisted with something that doesn't look as if it's going to have a happy uh, answer but again it may be part of West Ham's strategy to go down if you look at it it wouldn't be a tragedy well Karen Brady you know, businesswoman of the year right it she's on television so she must be right it, it 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 wouldn't it wouldn't be, it, it's not something that you should necessarily throw waste all the money uh, that's uh, inevitable in sacking a manager, sacking all his assistants, bringing in uh, uh, somebody new who ain't going to fancy West Ham one little bit. It might be wiser uh, to see how they get on. Um, and let's yeah. let's not forget that Portsmouth under Grant last season, but for the docking of points, would have been pretty close to escaping relegation. To, to, to be fair, Patty, I think actually, in fact, I know that um, Grant's entire coaching staff, I think um, I think they all probably make less money than you do. Um, that, that's I a pretty, hope so, given pretty the tight the fisted club there. <laughs> um, and the quality of my journalism. I, I think another factor that might be, uh, two factors, one might be the financial situation at the moment. I think sacking a manager is an expensive business in lots of cases. It is. And I think clubs are reluctant to spend that money if they don't have to. Yes. Another factor, I think, is that the league table, the Premier League table this year is, is very tight, it's very bunched, no one's cut adrift and and clubs are a win away from a big jump at the moment yes. and I think that's maybe part of the reason why clubs aren't you know, jumping to inclusions so quickly yes, and I mean, thinking you, the, our season the, the, is going the, wrong. They are the case for patience because of the, I mean last season there was a gap between the, at this time after 14 matches there was a gap between the leading club and the club just above the bottom mm. three mm. of 21 points. This season it's 14 points and that tells you that it's a much healthier league yeah, whatever an Arsenal fan may think about oh we should have beaten Spurs or a Chelsea fan might think about we should have beaten Birmingham well, it's actually a better league well Fulham and, and Everton 16th and 17th yep. have lost as many games as Chelsea and Arsenal I mean, first two, uh, uh, Fulham uh, as you say six, uh, 17, 17 yeah. uh, two, uh, two wins off contention for yeah. Europa League yeah. Oh, that's great. Also, Gab, I, th I think another point is we've perhaps got over, or boardrooms have got over the hysteria that followed the transfer window. A knock-on with that, with more managers getting sacked, was that what did we have to hyperbolise about it, yes. the word? We, we didn't have an impending transfer in the middle of November, so let's all jump on Mancini, because yes. then won for two games. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was what was happening when we got to a peak of managerial changes. Now perhaps people think, OK... Sven wasn't actually doing that bad a job. Uh, yes. Mark Hughes wasn't actually doing that bad a job. So you can't just go and sack the manager all the time, obviously, if you apply common sense. And perhaps that common sense is now kicking in. Um, I, I'm, I'm somebody who, and I, you know, I'm in the minority, um, when a manager gets sacked most of the time, um, I view it as a positive because somebody else is going to be given a chance. And I think the metric by which we judge managers sometimes is a little bit too tightly linked to results. Obviously, results are very important, but um, what I look for is, is something being built there? Does the manager have a plan? Is, 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 is there a structure? Um, and so with that in mind, for example, even though they're in the relegation t uh, zone, 
I wouldn't sack Mick McCarthy. I don't like the way his team's played. I don't think he's a great manager. But I think with I, I think his team has an identity. I think that they play a certain way, and you know I, I think they're about as good as they can be under under McCarthy. Absolutely, um, you're right. Can I can I sure. come in there, Gab? Because um, I, you know I've, I've followed Wolves' fortunes quite closely, and this is the best set of players Wolves have had, and the most unified they've had in 30 years. And they might be second bottom, but the direction in which Mick McCarthy and the club are going is a good direction. Is their squad better than two years ago? Yes. Is it stronger than it was two years ago? Yes. Are the club, are the fans still with the players and the team and McCarthy? Yes, they are. So they are moving in, dire- in a good direction. But as you said, in any one game, you know, you can go and lose 3-2 to Man United in the last minute mm. and the next week 2-1. And then if you don't quite get something right. So, Wolves are playing in a good way. And if they keep confidence levels up, McCarthy has a unity in that dressing room and, and a very definite way of playing that suggests he's doing the best job they can. If Wolves go down, so be it. He's still probably the best man for the job. Yeah. I mean, you listen to Lansley and you think, this guy's not going to last 10 minutes in journalism because he talks such utter sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when I look at the, at the bottom 10 clubs, and, and, you know, and I said... I like it when managers go. I, I think I think managers have really cushy situations. As you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is the way you know a manager comes in and is like, "Well, I need three years. I need to bring in my own players. Uh, the owner's got to back me. Give me money, money to spend, and mm. so on." Why don't you just work with the guys who are there? Why don't you show you're better than the guy you replaced by doing a better job? Why don't you show me something first? And then these, and then what, what I what I hate is then these guys get sacked and they get their whole thing paid. They get the, they get the, the, their entire wages paid off. But um, I look at this and I say like, which managers you know stink in the bottom ten and and. Apart from Avram Grant, but there, I, I don't think it's sacking the manager. I think you should sack the owners if you could. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a Julia fan, but uh, so far so good. Um, you're not gonna have a go at Ollie. Um, no. Big Sam plays turgid football, and I think we saw it again. But, but he knows how to manage. He's at mid-table. Um, Hewton, I mean, goodness me, they're newly promoted in the top ten. I think you have to accept, accept the fact yeah. that even though he's your mate. In ninth place, if you ask which, who's over and underachieved yeah, this yep, season, yep. that's a very good point. <laughs> right I, down I there. remember many, many years ago, uh, a, a guy, Tony Parks, uh, who, who was a, a, a sort of part of the Ewood Park furniture, and uh, he often sort of stood in as manager and had a spell as manager of the club. He, he's probably still there. But anyway, Tony Parks said, if there were 20 Alex Ferguson's in the Premier League, three of them would get relegated every season. So, I mean, I agree with, with Gab. I mean, we've got a pretty good... Totally we've agree, got yeah. 20 pretty good managers Well, there. about 20, but I think we well, have 17 you know, or 18. The best, the best part of them, you could argue, you, 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 we'd all have our tastes and lots of Liverpool... I, it's, uh, it's a good point. If you ask yourself, who's doing a bad job of these people? It's, it's, really, it's really difficult. Because I was looking, I mean, I, the reason I mean, I mean, I go at Roy here, but objectively, I don't think he's happy with the job he's doing, first and foremost. I think and he's doing okay. And, but, no, but I'm thinking, he, I'm sure, doesn't think he's happy with the job he's doing and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Avram Grant's not happy with the job he's doing mm-hmm. 
But crikey, look at these other people. I mean, yep. Tony Pulis, Stoker, eighth. Yeah. Steve Bruce, Sunderland, their seventh. Yeah. Go through it. Owen Coyle, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, so maybe it's no wonder that that Mancini and, and, and Hodgson get so much stick because they're the only ones who could, you know, you could argue, ought to be doing better. Yep. All right. Final thing, because we need to uh, we need to, to to end with a, with a with a little question because our producer Chris, the producer, went through the trouble of writing it. Uh, one word answer, please. Who will win the sack race? Ben. Avram Grant. Lansley. That was two words. Avram Grant, yeah. So was that. <laughs> Grant. Well done. One word. Okay, time now for some quick hits. Wayne Rooney makes his return for Manchester United. Uh, Patty, was the reaction you get what, pretty much what you expected? Yeah. And would you like me to give you a chance to plug your own book? Uh, no, no, it's okay. And given that you recently wrote a book about the great man, um, in Sir Alex's mind, is everything forgotten? Oh, the, the football bloody hell, you mean? Yes. Um, <laughs> it, that was the book about Sir Alex. And, and I think it is all forgotten. It's the, it's the beginning of the forgetting process. And when Rooney starts scoring goals, it will be forgotten. It's the forgetting of the beginning. Jared Houllier turns to youth at Blackburn, but Villa go down 2-0. Mark Albrighton, Kieran Clark, Barry Bannon, Jonathan Hogg, Nathan Delfonso, Chris Hurd. Um, might Martin O'Neill have been better off if he turned to some of these guys earlier on rather than spending money on somebody named Fabian Delph? Or is Houllier's uh, Green Revolution uh, a bridge too far and a bit of an illusion? Peter? Um, I'm not sure it's, it's an illusion. I think they're where they are in the table, which is 13th and only three points above the relegation zone. Um, there's some great talent there, but throw too many young kids in all at once, and they might sink rather than swim. Got that, Jared? We need more Stylian Petrov. Wigan go to Old Trafford, arguably outplay United in the first half, and then get two guys sent off. Uh, ben, how much sympathy do you have for Roberto Martinez? And uh, was some of that officiating a bit harsh in the sense that had the shoe been on the other foot? I think uh, you do have to sympathise for Martinez. Before United took the lead, um, Wigan were the better side. Um, Van der Sar was the one making the saves. One decision, I don't think you can argue with the red card, but possibly the second yellow was a bit harsh. Got that? Props to my man uh, Roberto Wigan. Gab, I've got a question for you now, so if you can hand me that duck. Thank you very much. Here, boy. Here, boy. All right. Uh, Gab, we heard that last week Inter had a long clear-the-air type talk with Rafa Benitez. What happened next, and how did he get on at the weekend? Well, basically, they wanted to make sure that uh, Rafa still had all his marbles, and uh, it was reported that he had uh, two games in which to impress, away to lowly Kievo, and then uh, in midweek against 20 in the Champions League, and uh, it's not looking good so far. They managed to, they contrived to lose 2-1 at uh, Kievo. Samuel Eto'o headbutting an opponent, getting himself sent off towards the end. Sedan style, uh, Champions League, make or break for Rafa. <laughs> Did you get it in? Uh, of course I got it in. I'm a professional. <laughs> Thank you to all my guests today, broadcasting live from the Peak District, Mr. Peter Lansley, Ben Smith, of course, and of course, Patty Barkley. Now, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk for all your news, your gossip, your analysis. You also get our web chats. I'll do mine on Mondays. You get Ollie K's on Wednesdays. You can follow us on Twitter. And I would like to also say that I'm the 154th most popular Times journalist on Twitter. 154. Now, that's a yeah. rise. 
Do you agree, though, that if Willie Miller were a time journalist, he'd be number one? <laughs> he's number one he'd be number one through 100. He's number one human being <laughs> that ever existed. Thanks for listening this week. Sorry about the rambly ending. Willie Miller, if you're out there, we love you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.